to be praised. Amen. Praise God. We're going to look to the word of the Lord tonight, and I, I want to invite your attention to the book of Colossians chapter 3. I want to speak to you uh, for a few moments tonight, uh, and, and I, may, I may teach a few lessons, maybe not necessarily in a row, but, but I think this is a, a study that goes beyond a, a one-time occurrence, and uh, so I want to just, I want to just uh, begin to help us understand some things. My subject tonight is the bond of perfectness. Everybody say the bond of perfectness. We might say the bond of perfection, but my KJV says perfectness, so I'm going to say perfectness. Amen. And so it, uh, it's, there's a perfectness that is described in the Bible, and I want to help us understand that because the word perfect uh, we may shy from using it. Uh, we, we, of course, are quick to say nobody's perfect. Uh, or we might be quick to say I'm not perfect. Uh, we, we, we do, you know, lead with that often as a disclaimer to anyone who, who may have uh, thought otherwise. And I guarantee you they didn't think otherwise. But... But we feel this impulse maybe to say, well, I'm not perfect, you know. Or, or we might say nobody's perfect. Or we might be real generous and say there's only one who's perfect. And his name is Jesus. But, but the Bible talks a lot about perfect. And a lot about being perfect. And a lot about becoming perfect. And a lot about perfect qualities. And I want to deal with that because... Uh, I think sometimes we just miss out on what God wants to do in our lives by discounting uh, so many of his great truth. Uh, we've got to be careful not to, not to let uh, an old adage that is popularized by the world culture, we've got to be careful not to let that become truer to us than the word of God. The word of God is, is the bedrock principle of all things. And so we look uh, to the word of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading at verse 12 uh, through 14. And I, I read this passage of scripture a lot. I think it's a great passage of scripture to read. It tells us what to put on. Uh, of course, it also tells us what to put off uh, in, in leading up to it. But it tells us here what to put on. Verse 12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, and then it tells us what to put on, bowels of mercies, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Now, we could, we could go through these, each of these. These are powerful qualities, powerful. These aren't just filler words. Each of these are powerful qualities. Let me just start with that first one, bowels of mercies. That is powerful because when it is speaking of that, it's talking about mercy that you have in your gut. It's, it's referring to what you feel. And he's saying mercies inside of you. That's different than just showing mercy. It's when you want to be merciful. It's when merciful is not what you're commanded to do, but it's what you do because it is your desire to be merciful. And that's different. That's different than... Well, God said I got to be merciful, so I guess I got to be merciful. No, that's not. No, he said bowels of mercy. Let it be in you. Let it, let it be your innermost desire to be merciful. And then he said, he goes on to say uh, kindness. Of course, we've talked about kindness before. That's, the, that, that's a related word to kindred or kinship. Kinsman has to do with family. And so when you talk about kindness, it's not just be nice. It's... It's treat people like family. It's be, make them a part of your world. Kindness. It's, it's kindred. Uh, it goes on to say uh, in verse 12, humbleness of mind. I mean, that's, I mean, I wish we had time to unpack all of that. Humbleness of mind. That's different than just a humble act. But this is, let, the, let your thoughts be humble. Um, 
You know, I, I, I saw something recently where somebody said, you know, we, we, we were very humble about such and such. And I thought, man, I'd be scared to say that. I remember Brother Tenney saying something about humility and said, humility is that elusive quality that the moment you know you've got it, you don't. <laughs> so so we're, it's, it's this constant quest of being humble. And when I try to humble myself, and the Bible does admonish us, humble yourself, but it tells us how? Under the mighty hand of God. And so when I, when I try to be in charge of being humble, I mess it up. And I get real proud of how humble I am. And I become so humble that I could never do the proud and arrogant things you do because I am way too humble for that. And it doesn't work out so well. Humility is something you got to let God impart to you. And when God makes you humble, and I used to hear, I, I'd hear, I heard now, don't pray God make me humble because he will. And I remember as a kid, I prayed one day, and I, was, I got carried away in prayer, and I just cried out, Lord, make me humble. And then I realized what I said. And I said, oh, no, don't do that. Wait a minute. Hold on. Backspace, backspace, backspace. Delete, 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 delete. And I, no, don't do that. And, and I remember I, I felt the voice of God speak to me and say, don't ever be afraid to ask me for anything. Because I will give you humility and not humiliate you. God's not looking for an opportunity to humiliate us. When God makes us humble, it's the most, it, is, it is the most refreshing and gentle thing. might be hard to go through, but it, is, it, it becomes such a beautiful thing in your life when the Lord gives to you a quality such as humility. And so you don't need to be afraid of that. Humbleness of mind meekness or humility, lowliness, long-suffering. It's not something that we just choose, but he's telling us to put it on. Suffer, be willing, be willing to suffer for long, indefinite periods of time in order to do what is the right thing to do. And verse 14, verse 13, forbearing one another. That means putting up with each other, tolerating each other. I can't, I can't, I can't put up with them. Well, forbear one another. Put up with one another. Forgiving one another. Just, just forgive one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, are you ready? Here's how you handle that. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. This is why we have to preach the love and the mercy of God as much as as we do because we have to be continually reminded of how much he loves us so we know how to love other people. Because you trying to love other people with your own love isn't working out so good. Your love is fickle, it's easily offended, but when you are keenly aware of how deep and how true God's love is for you, then it teaches you how to love other people. Because that's the standard. His love for us is the standard by which we love other people. And, and it's not my love that I love people with. Don't do your family the disservice of simply loving them with your love. Your love is so easily broken and offended and wounded. And, but when you love them with God's love then you're loving them with a love that is unbreakable, unquenchable, and truly life-changing. When you love people with the love of God, you'll change their life. When you love them with your love, uh, you, who knows what will happen. That becomes, very, that becomes a very challenging thing. But love them with the love of God and let the love of God become your love. Let the love of God become your love. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But as for Christ... Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14, and I love this. Above all these things, above humbleness of mind, above kindness, above long-suffering, above uh, uh, forgiving and forbearing, above all these things, put on charity or agape, which is the pure and perfect love of God. Put that on you above everything else. Put on you the agape love of God, 
which is the bond of perfectness. So the agape love of God is the belt buckle of perfectness. The agape love of God is the basis of perfection. It is the padlock that secures perfect living. So, so let's talk about perfect for a little bit. Because there are a lot of perfect things, a lot of perfectness that the Bible talks about. And the, the bond of it, the thing that makes it happen, the thing that unites it, the thing that allows for it and enables and empowers us to have it is the love, the agape, the charity of God. Now there's a word in the Old Testament that is similar to the New Testament word agape. The Greeks would call the love of God agape. The Hebrews would call the love of God chesed. Chesed. And it's the Old Testament equivalent of agape is chesed. Now when chesed is translated into the English, most often and quite often, in fact, I believe it's the only way this word has its roots in the Old Testament. Anytime you see the word loving kindness in the Bible, anybody ever seen that in the Bible, loving kindness? That word is, it comes from the word chesed. And the translators put it in there to describe chesed. You do know that's not a real word, right? Loving kindness is not one word. I mean, it's listed as one word, but it's not one word. It is two words, loving and kindness. But the translators could not come up with a one-word description of the love of God. The chesed of God. So they were like, how do we describe this? There is a, there's not a word in the English language that captures the depth of the integrity of this word. And so, I mean, because we could say love, but love doesn't cut it. We could say kindness, but kindness doesn't cut it. We could say kind love, but kind love doesn't cut it. it ha it's active. It's, it's contracting. It's, it's emoting. It's, it's all-powerful. It's love, but it's loving. It's kind, it's kind, but it's kindness. It's loving kindness, and I guess we'll have to go with that. No tongue can tell how great is the love of God. No tongue can describe the majesty of his love. And so it is a perfection that we cannot fully fathom. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the perfectness of God and, the, and particularly, specifically, the bond of perfectness. James chapter 1. Let's go to James chapter 1. I, I, want, to, I want to read to you a, a few verses of Scripture here in James chapter 1 because he deals with this. In this first chapter, he just starts dealing with perfect, okay? And... Um, James chapter 1, verse uh, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. There's a word we don't love, patience. And notice what he says in verse 4. And, and here's the reason we don't love patience, because we too often don't do what verse 4 tells us to do. Let patience have her perfect work. Patience has a perfect work. And, and, and one of the reasons why we don't like patience is because we never let patience have her perfect work. We don't do that. We cut patience off at the past. No, I'll take it from here, pal. And patience, though, has a perfect work it wants to do. And if, and if we would ever lose ourselves to the word and the will and the power of God, and let patience do what patience does. Then it would be at the top of your list. It is so beautiful. It is so glorious. It is so wonderful. What patience will do. Listen, let, let me see if I can, let me see if I can uh, describe it to you the way the Bible would. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
they, I know you've never done this before, but, but listen to what patience will do. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. Who's afraid of a roaring lion when you can mount up with wings as an eagle? Who's afraid of a charging bull when you can mount up with wings as an eagle? That's what patience will do for you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord, it's going to happen to them. The, 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 the psalmist said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. And he does something that we need to pay attention to in the word of God. Anytime this happens, you need to put your glasses on the tip of your nose and take a good look at it again. He says it a second time. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He didn't just say verily. He said verily, verily. He didn't just say rejoice in the Lord. He said rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Here's the second reference. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That is a verily, verily, straight out of the word of God. And if we'd ever let patience have her perfect work, listen to what happens. Verse 4 of James 1, this is a promise from God. And I, I'm telling you, we've got to pay attention to it. That you may be perfect. Who? You. Me? Yeah. Us. You may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. impoverished for nothing I got everything I need I got everything I need I got it all I got everything I need I ask of the Lord this is what the psalmist meant when he said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I've got everything I need I don't covet what other people have you know you're fulfilling the law of God when you do not covet what other people have that's a command not to covet what other people have. It's one of the ten big ones. Thou shalt not covet. And when you, you don't just not covet because all of a sudden you flip a switch and you stop wanting things. No, patience has had a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. He, he goes on uh, in, his, in his description of, of what is perfect. In James chapter 1, I want to I read to you just a couple of other things here in James 1. James chapter 1 verse 17. Notice what the word of the Lord says in James 1 17. Every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Okay, so I want us to understand. The perfect things are gifts. They're not things that you can go get on your own. They're not things you can self-generate. They are gifts. And they are gifts from God. And they are gifts from God in this capacity. The Father of lights. That word lights means enlightenment. So when it says every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, what it's telling you is, is that if you want the perfect things... They're going to only come from God and they're going to come in the form of enlightenment. They don't just come in the form of blessing. They don't just come in the form of, of, uh, of, of, of you having it to have it. No, you're going to gain the perfectness and the perfect things from the enlightenment that comes from God. He's going to reveal things to you. Hallelujah. Anybody ever had that light bulb go off? Ding. And your eyes widen and your mouth, jaw drops. I've read that all these years. And I've never seen this before. What's happening? God's giving you a perfect gift. And it's to make you perfect and entire wanting nothing. It's a gift 
that cometh down. It doesn't come up. It doesn't come over. It comes down. It is a heavenly thing. And it comes down from the Father of enlightenment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It doesn't, it doesn't show up under the Christmas tree. It doesn't come from Amazon Prime. It cometh down from the Father of lights. It cometh down from God who reveals and enlightens us. Praise God. Notice what James continues to say in James chapter 1 and verse 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. If you do this, you're deceiving your own selves. If you're a hearer of the word, but you don't actually do it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, we fall into that category a lot. How often do we hear of, man, that was a good word. And then don't do it. You deceive yourselves. Here's how you deceive yourself. Just hearing it will increase your faith. Just hearing it will, will increase how good you feel. But, but when you start doing it, that's when it truly enlightens you. When you put it into practice and you apply the word of God, that's when the light bulb comes on and you start realizing this thing is real. This thing is true. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If you hear the word but don't do the word, it's the equivalent of looking in the mirror, seeing that messy, messed up situation, looking back at you and doing nothing about it. I'm talking about bed, head. I'm talking about collar all, all uh, everywhere and just not doing anything about it. That's what it's like to hear the word of God. And the word of God expose you to yourself. And you're like, oh, I didn't know it looked that bad. Okay, see y'all. And move on like, no, no, no. Brush your teeth. Comb your hair. Get this thing together. Pull it together. You're not going to know the power of God until you do it. Hearing it is one thing, and it's important. How shall they hear without a preacher? Faith cometh by hearing, but faith without works is dead. You've got to do what you hear, and when you do what you hear, then you're going to know the power of God. But look what the Bible says. Verse 25, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. The what? The perfect law. What kind of law? The perfect law of liberty. Praise God. And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So he described perfect gifts, he described a perfect work, and he described a perfect law of liberty. I, I, I want to continue on this. I, each one of these things you could, you could really delve into, but I wanna, I'm trying to just help us understand what all is involved with perfectness. Isaiah chapter 26 I want to read to you just a, a few verses of scripture from the 26th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26, and we're going to begin reading at the, uh, let's start at the first verse. Isaiah 26, verse 1. In that day shall this, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth, may enter in. Verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. If your mind is stayed on the Lord, the Lord will keep you in perfect peace. I said if your mind is stayed on the Lord, the Lord will keep you in perfect peace. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking... Well, that'd be great if I could keep my mind stayed on anything. That's the whole problem, is that my mind likes to wander off every which direction. Squirrel. <laughs> you just look at every, any little thing that goes by, you just, you, you, and then you forget all about the task at hand. And so how in the world do I keep my mind stayed on the Lord? I'm going to tell you how. Ask him to help you.
Why do you, why, why do you think that you can do things and don't need God to do it? If that were the case, he wouldn't have to come and die on the cross. Well, why do you really, in all honesty, let's ask ourselves, why do we think that God expects us to do things for ourselves? He literally had to come from heaven, become one of us, and do the thing we couldn't do. He knows us. He remembers our frame. He knows that we are dust. He understands our problems. You can ask him anything, including, God, I'm having a hard time keeping my mind stayed on you. Will you help me keep my mind stayed on you? Please, Lord, help me keep my mind stayed on you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you three little words, three little words that you need to do, that you need to repeat after that, and it is, it is done. I'm going to give you three more words, in Jesus' name. God, help me keep my mind stayed on you. It is done in Jesus' name. And here's what happens. Then you don't even, then, you, then your concentration just starts narrowing. And you, and you wonder how. Here's where we go, get off course a little bit because we pray a prayer. God answers the prayer. And then we move on from it. And it, he an, literally answered the prayer. And it was so effortless that we don't even realize he did it. And we go on and never stop to say thank you. I'm going to tell you, you need to thank God for stuff you didn't even know he did. You didn't even see that car almost plow through the red light. You didn't even, you didn't even know what all God did for you today that blessed you, that kept you. You need to thank God every moment of every day. And for, particularly for the prayers you pray that he answers and they're so effortless on your part, you don't even know he answered them. I don't even realize. I just said, God, I, God, I need, you to, I need you to help me because I'm really stressed out about this situation. I need you to help me. And six hours goes by and the worry goes away and the stress lifts off my shoulders. And I don't even realize God did it. It was so effortless on my part. But that, the Bible says he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. So you pray and say, God, help me keep my mind stayed on you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're helping me keep my mind stayed on you. And then make not provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to get your mind every which direction. You do your part and God will help you with what you have a hard time controlling. Praise God. Hallelujah, that will keep him in perfect peace. You have interacted with perfect peace before and didn't know it. You have, you, have, you have tasted perfect peace and didn't realize it. You have walked on the path of perfect peace and ventured back off of it. But there were moments where, where it was just perfect and it was just entire and you were a total contentment and all was well. There could be lightning flashing, thunder rolling. And yet there's peace in the midst of this storm. Because your mind isn't on the storm, your mind is upon the Lord. Perfect peace. Hallelujah. Hey, I, can I, I, I'm going to go on to the next verse, but, but I want to I I take a little rabbit trail here real quick. And just read to you a, a verse of scripture that describes perfect peace. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. He is describing perfectness here. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Hallelujah. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things. Hallelujah. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Instructed. Now you know what that is. That's structure within. I have the structure within me to be full and to be hungry. I know how to be content while I'm full. I know how to be content when I'm hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. That's perfectness. That's contentment. That's completeness. Hallelujah. 
I know how to do it, Paul said, because God has worked a work in me. Patience has, has worked her perfect work. Uh, notice Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read to you Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to, I want to point something out because we need to realize God is working a perfect work. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse uh, number 12. The perf actually, verse number uh, 11. He gave some apostles and uh, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting. The perfecting of the saints. That's us. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. And, and edifying of the body of Christ, that doesn't just mean making you feel good. It means, it means building you up to that ultimate goal. In verse 12, we see that ultimate goal. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the Father of lights. That's the enlightenment of God. He's giving us the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me remind you why God became the Son of God. He became the Son of God because that's who we are. He didn't become the Son of God because He's a separate person from Himself. He became the Son of God because we are the sons of God. And we don't know who we are because we are blinded by the prince of darkness. And so Jesus comes, hallelujah, the father of lights cometh down. He is the perfect gift. And he comes down from the father of lights. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In him was life and the life was the light. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, we're looking when we look at Jesus. We are looking at who we were made to be. Ah. Who's that walking on the water? They wondered who that was that was walking on the water. And they supposed it might be a spirit. But, but Jesus, the Bible says he would have passed them by. But they cried out to him. And when they cried out to him, Jesus, who would have passed them by, goes to them. And Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. And Peter walks on the water just like Jesus walks on the water. Do you realize the only reason Jesus walked on the water was to show Peter that Peter can walk on the water. It's the only reason he did it. When you look at Jesus, you're looking at who you are. In God's perfect plan. So the perfectness is a perfecting of the saints. Perfecting us unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unto that perfect man. That perfect man is Jesus. He's the blessed man. Who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He is the perfect man who shall abide in the tabernacle of the Lord, who shall dwell in the holy hill. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. He's the perfect man. And that's who God is making us to be. That's why he filled you with his perfect Holy Ghost. That's why he washed you with his perfect blood. Hallelujah. That's why he's taking you to a perfect city. Hallelujah. That's what the perfectness of God is all about. Glory to God. Oh, but I'm, I'm not perfect. Wait, now, hold on. I, I, you don't have to convince me of that. Just like I don't have to convince you that I'm not perfect. We, 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 I don't think we have to do a whole lot of persuading there. But, let me, but let's break it down. What do we mean by that? In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible describes what's going to happen when the trumpet sounds. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. And this mortal shall put on immortality. And this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And we shall be changed. 
I want you to notice, ladies and gentlemen, that the only thing that changes on that great getting up morning is the body. Hallelujah. The invisible parts of us should already be changed into his image. The only thing that is imperfect about us is this body of death. My God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. If you get a bad attitude, it better be because this body's tired. And not because... You've got a bad spirit. If you get irritable and angry, and uh, it better be because this body needs to go to bed. And not because you've got bitterness in your heart. It better not be something invisible going on. It better be because you need coffee. You hear what I'm telling you? It better be because, because the body is warring against you. Because this, this body is going to be a battlefield until the day it is resurrected from the dead. It's going to be a battlefield until the day this mortal puts on immortality. Until this corruptible puts on incorruption. But your soul and your spirit must be right with God. And this body must be put in subjection. When we talk about the flesh, we're talking about this body. This is why when you start getting irritable and angry, and you, you need to deal with that. Hold your tongue. Go to bed. Take a nap for crying out loud. Go, go, pray. Get, get your, pull yourself together. This isn't who you are. This isn't who God made you to be. Irritable and angry and mad and losing your temper. We have temperance. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We ought not be spouting things out of our mouth that are harmful to the people we love or to anybody. And everybody should be people we love. James said that the, the same mouth that brings forth a blessing should not also bring forth a curse. A, a, a fountain can't bring forth bitter water and sweet. By bitter water, it doesn't just mean bad tasting water. It means toxic water. That's, that's what you're doing when you spew that hate. It's toxic. It's harmful. It's hurtful. Injures relationships. Injures people's Ability to receive from you injures their ability to receive your witness. Don't let, don't let this put forth bitter water and sweet. Hallelujah. Sweet water, sweet, is a reference to the fruit of the Spirit. That sweetness is a, is a quality related to the fruit of the Spirit. If you say someone, oh, they are such a sweet person. You're describing the fruit of the Spirit. Their gentleness, their peacefulness, their joyfulness, their love. All of that makes them a sweet person. Hallelujah. Now, you've been there at, at, at maybe someone's homegoing service. And somebody said, oh, they were such a sweetheart. And you think, well, wait a minute. Do I have the right place? Did I come to the... Maybe I walked into the wrong room here. Because maybe you didn't encounter that particular aspect. But oh friend, let all people have the same testimony of your character. Let all people be able to say of your character that this was a, a sweet person. That this was a person who loved others. This was a person who was patient with others. This was a person who was, who was meek with others. And who was gentle with others. Because... Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. Let it not be said, this person was cruel. This person was hateful. This person didn't care what other people thought in terms of hurting them or not. It, it, it is so important that we have the sweetness of God's perfect love come from us. Praise God. The fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. 
That's what you're growing up unto. And apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists are there to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ, and to perfect the saints. Perfect peace. Perfect, the perfect law of liberty. I, I, I really, I, I, you know what? Let's just take the next two or three hours and go through all of it. Oh, never mind. We won't, we won't put that to a vote. I'll just, uh, just wait to another time. But you could, go down, you could go down the road on any one of these precious truths. Oh, the perfect law of liberty. When the, when the law of God, yes, it will always be a command, but when the law of God becomes your desire. <laughs> when, when it's not God saying, thou shalt and you must, but it's you. Whether God says to or not, it's just, this is what I want to do. That's the, it's the same law. It's the same law thundered on Mount Sinai. But it's the law of God on Mount Sinai when it's you wanting to do it because the love you have in your heart is so full. It's the perfect law of liberty. Same law, but it's, it's, it's a perfect law of liberty. We could talk about the perfect peace of God. We, we, could, we could go into 1 John. In fact, let's do. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. And this is where we'll, this is where we'll start uh, understanding the bond of perfectness and where we'll conclude. Uh, but but First John chapter four, Amen. And we're going to read it, verse number seventeen. Actually, we're going to read verse sixteen. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Oh, that you would know the love that God has to you. Oh, that you would know the love that God has to you. And not just so you would know it, but oh, that you would know it and believe it. Hallelujah. Something happens in the heart of a man and a woman, a boy and a girl, when they know it and they believe the love that God hath to us. God is love. Hallelujah. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God dwelleth in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That love that's fickle, that's easily offended, that love that breaks every time you turn around, every time somebody rolls their eyes, your love gets a flat tire and can't go anywhere. And it's an imperfect love. But herein is our love made perfect. Listen to this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Whoever thought we could have boldness in the day of judgment? I always thought that I'd walk into judgment whimpering and, oh, God help me. Oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Oh, God's merciful. Oh, I hate I always thought judgment was going to be terrifying. He said, if your love is perfect, you will have boldness in the day of judgment I'll walk into judgment and I'll be alright this is great I've been waiting for this day hallelujah God's going to have to wait for you to get done with your praise break so he can judge you because your love is perfect when your love is perfect you'll have boldness in the day of judgment my God have mercy Hallelujah. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Remember I told you. He is the picture of who we were always made to be. As he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Hallelujah. But perfect love... Glory to God, casteth out fear. When there is perfect love, you're going to have boldness in the day of judgment. When there is perfect love, you will have no fear because perfect love will have grabbed fear by the collar and by the belt and cast it out of your 
heart and mind and life and family and ministry and finances and marriage and prayer life and hospital waiting room and courtroom. Perfect love will cast out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So, so when we have fear, tormenting fear, which means we're putting our fear in something other than God. Because fear is fine, it just needs to be fear of the Lord. Fear of anything else is fear that has torment. Fear of the Lord brings peace. So, fear that has torment is a symptom, okay? It's an indicator. It's the check engine light and lets us know, okay, our love, our love needs to be refreshed. Our love needs to be refined. Our love is imperfect. Our love needs a checkup. Somewhere, I stopped renewing my mind in the love of God. Somewhere, I stopped understanding just how much He loves me. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you knew the love of God and the power of God, you'd be afraid of nothing. And it's this body, the body of this death, that starts to drift away and pull your mind away from the cross of Christ. And you've got to get back to the cross and look squarely into the blood, sweat, tears of the crucified lamb who's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Who's saying, who's saying that I'm doing this for you. I'm taking your penalty. And you walk away from that cross knowing he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And if he loves me, I have nothing to fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Verse number 19. This is this. I can't even describe to you the power of this principle. The power of this truth in verse 19. This is, this is everything. This is agape. This is love from start to finish. This is love from start to finish right here. We love him because he first loved us. You and I cannot, let me me, me say it. I want to break this down. If we truly love him, if we truly love him, that is the bond of perfectness. That holds all the perfectness of God together. If we love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. We have kept every commandment of God. Great peace have they that love thy law. We have kept every commandment of God. If we truly love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Fear has been cast out if we truly love him. Fear has been cast out. If we truly love him, we are at perfect peace. If we truly love him, this is everything. These three words, we love him. I don't mean have a good little feeling about him and be grateful for what he's done. That's awesome and you should do that. But I'm talking about loving him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm telling you, that's impossible for your flesh to do. You can stand here all night long saying, I love you, Jesus. You're more to me than anything else in this world. I love you, Lord. I love you. You can say it all you want, but it's only true if it's true. And we love him, and this is how, because he first loved us. It's all about the first love. If the first love is corrupted, then we cannot arrive at the place of loving him. And the first love is not the love that you have for him. It's the love that he has for you. Glory to God. That's the first love. He loves me. 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 Yes. Jesus loves me. Yes. Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. We're going to preach it until you believe it. We're going to preach it until it's louder than the fear is. We're going to preach it till it's louder than the condemnation is. We're going to sing it and we're going to practice it and we're going to demonstrate it and we're going to exhibit it to a lost and dying world until that is louder than the, than the words and accusations of the adversary. Jesus loves me. We're going to teach it to our children. Yes, Jesus loves me. We're going to put it on flannel ground. 
crap. We'll bring in clowns if we have to. We're going to serve punch and cookies, and we're going to do everything we else, everything else we can to show them, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I want them to remember in the courtroom, Jesus loves me. I want them to remember in the doctor's office, Jesus loves me. I want them to remember when all hell is breaking loose, Jesus loves me. That's the first love. And if we can establish the first love, then you can build on the first love. And that's when, that's when you're able to, to know that if Jesus loves me and he knows everything about me and he still loves me. If he loves me and he knows all of my thoughts and he still loves me. Then what am I doing being so self-loathing and so self-hating? Why do I hate what God loves? Why am I, why, why, why do I just, why do I just, just ridicule what God loves? And once you accept God's love for you, it allows you to have a proper view of who you really are. That's what will make you repent of your sins. That's what will make you repent of your sins. You'll end up serving God, not because somebody's forcing you to serve God, but because you've never met anybody like him. Never met anybody that loves me regardless. Hallelujah. I, I, I've, never, I've never met. And, and his love does not conflict with his righteousness. Understand. His love does not conflict with his righteousness. He is a holy God. That's what makes his love so amazing. He's not an unholy God. He's a holy God. And he still loves me, who has been un so unholy. And when, when, when we truly embrace the fact that Jesus loves me, that's what converts me. That's what changes my behavior. That's what changes the way I live. And I start, and I, I start to love, I start, I start loving me, not in the sense that I'm selfish or self-centered. I start loving me the way God loves me. And once I love me, the way God loves me, now I can love my neighbor as myself. And as I love my neighbor, now I'm able to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to tell you, if you love God and you love your neighbor and, and you love you, the creation of God, and, and you've received his love for you, that's perfect love. And that will cast out all fear. And you will have boldness in the day of judgment. Verse number 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Perfect peace. Perfect love. A perfect work of patience. A perfect law of liberty. And the bond of that perfectness is the agape love of God. The charity of God. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, the perfecting of the saints. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. I believe God wants to work a perfect work in somebody right now. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Come on, let God get down deep on the inside and start working a perfect work in you. Hallelujah. If you're going through a trial, let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Know ye that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Praise God. The trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work. Because God is going to make you perfect. God's going to make you entire, wanting nothing. Praise the name of the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus.
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. You are worthy, Lord, to be praised. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. How many want perfect peace tonight? How many want patience to have a perfect work in your life? Oh, hallelujah. If you could stand with me, I, I, it's important, listen, it's important that we let patience have her perfect work. To prevent patience from accomplishing what patience is trying to accomplish is like waking up in the middle of a surgical operation and saying, I'm done. <laughs> I'm finished. We're done with this. Getting out of here. All right, we'll sew you up. No, you're going to sew me up. I'm just done. That's the same thing. If you don't let patience have her perfect work. It's undone what God is doing. But if you'll let God move this around and let God move that around and let God take this organ out and replace it with that organ and let God do what God does. Let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect. Woo! And entire wanting nothing. But if you're like me, You've still got this body of death you're living in. And it's not perfect. So you got to surrender it to God right now. And say, God, I've got the nerve endings of a wretched body. God, I've got all the limitations of a wretched flesh. And I need your help. I need your help to keep my mind stayed on you. I need your help to love my brother. Lord, I need your help to be patient. I need your help, Lord. I need you to cast out fear. I need you to help me to trust. Oh, God. God, I have an anger problem. Help me, God, to keep my temper in check, oh, God. <laughs> I feel you doing a perfect work in me. I feel you doing a perfect work in me. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm opening these altars right now for some imperfect people that want God to do a perfect work in us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he loves me. He loves me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, how can Loves me. He loves me. Thank you, Jesus. He is for me. Jesus, how can it be? He loves me. He loves me. He is for me. He is for me. Jesus. Precious love of God. That's the precious Jesus, love of God. Jesus, how can how can it be? It be? He, loves he loves me. Yes, he, he does. He is for me.
worship, we, we, we say, and it's a good thing to do, we say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It's a beautiful thing to say, a beautiful thing to do. But I wonder if we could take a moment and, and just reverse that and say, you love me, Jesus. You love me, Jesus. Oh, you love me, Jesus. You love me, Jesus. You love me, Jesus. Oh, you love me, Jesus. I wonder if you can lift your hands right now. And just as emphatically as you declare your love for him, I wonder if just as emphatically you could declare his love for you. Oh, you love me, Lord. You love me, Lord. You love me. Oh, how you love me, Jesus. You love me, Jesus. You love me, Lord. You love me, Lord. You love me, Lord. You love me, Lord. Come on, say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it with all of your heart. You love me, Lord. You love me, Lord. You love me. You love my family, oh God. You love my family. You love my heart, Lord. You love me. You love me. You love me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Declare it. Hallelujah. That's it. Confess it in the name of the Lord. Confess it in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 That's the agape love of God. You're interacting with that holy, hallowed, precious love of God. Hallelujah. Come on, that's that bond of perfectness. Hallelujah. That's what's going to hold perfect peace in its place. That's what's going to hold the perfect work of patience together. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. This coming Saturday is family prayer, 9.30 a.m. You're going to be blessed of the Lord. What a glorious time we have in the presence of God at family prayer. Bless you in the name of the Lord. If you need to go, you please feel free to go. But if you want to stay and pray, please feel free to do that as well. God bless all of you in the name of the Lord. Love you. Love you. Love you. In Jesus' name.